0: Welcome to Crosswords. This is a podcast about practical Christianity. Emphasis on practical. How to put Jesus' words into practice. What does it look like to walk in Jesus' footsteps? As Christians, we live in a culture hostile to righteousness, self-control, and God's judgment. Righteousness because we don't get good messages about what good moral values ought to be. Hostile against self-control because we all make excuses for our behavior, as opposed to saying no to sin. And hostile to God's judgment to come because we're usually afraid to talk about death, hell, and judgment, something Jesus spoke of frequently. So in this podcast, we're going to get your mind and your heart in line with Jesus' words and way, because He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only one who can get us out of this world alive All scriptures quoted will be from the New International Version. You can follow me on Twitter at Kingdom underscore Saint. Walk with the Lord and be a blessing. If you do a search on the phrase, one thing, in the Bible, you'll come up with exactly 16 verses that contain the phrase, at least in the NIV. I found five significant occurrences that speak to what our priorities should be in this life. These one things are emphatic about what our thoughts should dwell on and where our attention should be. They direct us to remain sober and alert and to be cautious about the pitfalls that face us as we walk in Jesus' footsteps. We will examine each one of those in this podcast. The first one thing is, seek the Lord with all your heart. Psalm 27 verse 4, David writes, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. So the first one thing is mentioned by David in this psalm. As we examine each of the one things, we're going to get into the theology behind them and then into the practical applications. So what's the theology behind what David says here in Psalm 27, verse 4? Well, he says, one thing I ask of the Lord. So what's the one thing? You keep asking the Lord besides this which David asks. I'm often tempted to just ask him to be healthy or to have enough money to pay the bills or for my family's salvation if they're not saved. Maybe all these are motivated by fear, no? I think I need to refocus and make sure I am secure, dwelling in his house, gazing. On his beauty and making sure that this is what I seek. He says, This only do I seek. No special meaning here. To seek is to secure, to exact, to commit to finding what you're searching for. What are you searching for and why? Is what you're searching for tied to this earth? Is it something material? Is it something tied? to this existence, to this temporal age. David says, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He says, I want to dwell in God's house. Mind you, this was in the old covenant where God had a dwelling place. It was the temple. So David wanted to dwell there. And to dwell means to make an abode, to live in it. He says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord and gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek Him. That's the second time he mentions that he wants to seek Him. To gaze upon is to contemplate as in a state of awe, to look intently and study what you're looking at, to engage both your mind and your emotion, your intellect, and your soul. This uh, second seek here is a variation on the first one. This one has to do with meditation and reflection. It's about inquiring and considering. So this first one thing that we find in Psalm 27 verse 4 sounds a lot like the priority Jesus mentioned in Matthew 6 33, where he said, seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. David is writing about how his heart and mind are engaged in seeking God's kingdom first, his righteousness first, despite his many fears, responsibilities, and pressures. That's the one thing That dwelled on David's mind, seeking God, gazing upon his beauty in his temple. David was king. I mean, above all his other responsibilities, he placed seeking God in his temple and gazing on his beauty as the priority over everything else. That's what moved him. That's what gave his life meaning. That's what gave him purpose. Nothing was to get in the way, or to interrupt this devotion, seeking God first. He mentions the temple as the place where he wants to commit to doing this, and we know he also did it with the law of God, with the Bible. Psalm 119 is all about how the focus is God's word, and how it lights his path, and how he meditates on it. Many other psalms reflect that as well. So church and Bible, priorities. No one should be twisting your arm to make sure you don't forsake the assembly, Hebrews 10.25, and no one should have to remind you to spend quality time in God's word often. If you need to be reminded of this, you are lacking this one thing. Jeremiah 29.13 and 14 says, you will seek me, and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. The second one thing we find in Mark ten twenty one. This one has to do with having your treasure in heaven. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he told the rich young ruler. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Jesus is speaking to the rich young ruler, who asked him, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus corrects him first on his erroneous perspective about what is good. He answered, No one is good except God alone. Well, seems like this young man's idea about goodness was flawed. Maybe he thought he could be good. He probably saw people as good and bad, and Jesus had to help him see reality. Then he would understand the next thing Jesus said, the one. Thing he needed. He had to get rid of everything that would prevent him from giving his heart to the Lord. Everything he probably thought of as good. This man was not able to give up everything because he had great wealth. He probably saw his own identity tied into what he had, what he had accomplished, what he had amassed. He probably thought He had it good. Jesus warns that it is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Even though the disciples were not rich and had left everything to follow Jesus, they exclaimed, who then can be saved? Jesus said, well, with God, all things are possible. And he proceeded to tell Peter that those who had left homes, families, careers, or property for him would receive a hundred times as much in this age with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Let me ask you, where is your treasure? Matthew 6.21 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you got the first one thing correct, if you're seeking the Lord with all your heart, guess where your treasure will be. Your treasure will undoubtedly be where the Lord is in heaven. But let me ask you this. Do you think you have it good? Are you like the rich young ruler? Are you worried that you need to be good or that the good things that you see surrounding your life you cannot get rid of? Can you be good without Jesus' righteousness? Here's another way to ask the same question. Do you deserve good things? That's what we have to ask ourselves here in our American culture. Do you fight when you don't have the good things you think you deserve to have? (laughs) That's a tough question, right? Because we get very uh, legalistic when it comes to our well-being. We demand, we sue when we don't get the quality or the good things we think we deserve. Do you deserve God's mercy? Romans three ten through 11 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. It's hard to hear that our heart is not good. But there is hope. In Isaiah 33, 6, we read, He will be the sure foundation for your times, the Lord God. A rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure, Isaiah says. So when you fear the Lord, storing your treasure in heaven, where you're convinced everything good is, Then you will be ready for the next one thing. The third one thing is sitting at the Lord's feet and just listening. We get this one from Luke 10, verse 42, where Jesus says, few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Of course, this is the occasion where Mary and Martha had invited Jesus over and perhaps a few other people, and Martha was busy with all the preparations that entailed um, It was a good thing she was trying to do. But Jesus is reminding them that only few things are needed. We tend to get distracted when trying to impress people. Perhaps the echo of disapproval or criticism keeps us, keeps our OCD from the one thing that we need. Sometimes it's not us, it's other people's distractions that get us distracted. Just remember this, your emergency doesn't warrant an emergency on my part. Your lack of planning or your bad planning or your procrastination doesn't constitute an emergency on my part. Your problem is not my emergency. Jesus says, indeed, only one thing is needed. Only one filter is really needed to gauge if we're pleasing the Lord if we're seeking him with all our heart, are we gazing on him as we sit at his feet? What Mary chose to just sit at his feet and listen to him intently, perhaps like David wrote in that psalm, gazing upon his beauty. Are you listening intently to him? Or are we distracted by what we think others? think we need to do? (laughs) Are we allowing ourselves to get unsettled just because someone else may be unsettled? I mean, that's what happened here. Martha intruded in that fellowship Mary was having with Jesus by complaining that Mary was not helping her out. And oftentimes, we allow others to get us unsettled because they feel unsettled. And their emergency doesn't mean that we all of a sudden have to participate in an emergency. This is a bit hard on the empath because some of us who are empathic, empathetic people, we feel when other people get unsettled. We get caught up in other people's problems. And if we do that, we won't be able to bear that load. The scriptures give us some pointers on that. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 through 5, the Holy Spirit writes, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load this this verse basically distills down to mom and dad put your oxygen mask on first then on your children <laughs> that's what it's about we have to be able to take care of ourselves of our own load in order to be able to carry one another's burdens we have to love ourselves before we love our neighbor We have to make sure we're sitting at the Lord's feet intently listening to Him if we're going to then get up and follow Him as He ministers to others. Nothing else really matters if this is not your priority. Don't be bullied by pushy people or by anyone's pressure tactics. If you do, then what you might end up doing won't be by your own conviction. You know, salespeople, they know this human trait and sometimes use it to victimize you again and again. They have all these specials. Buy one, get now free. You got to do it now. You got to buy it now before the special is over. They pressure us. They appeal to our empathic behavior. Someone in the church or even in your own family may try to guilt you into doing something, oftentimes because they failed to plan. Or maybe they procrastinated or were just plain lazy. And caving in to their plea won't help them. Be reminded of this tip here in Proverbs 19.19. A hot-tempered person must pay the penalty, rescue them, and you will have to do it again and again. I know this one is talking about a hot-tempered person, but this applies to anyone who is led by their heart, who's led by their emotion, because those are the people that tend to need to be rescued. (laughs) But if you rescue people controlled by their emotions, you're going to have to do it again and again. You must let them pay the penalty. You must let things fail at times. Because failure is oftentimes our greatest teacher. Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this love your neighbor as yourself. The fourth one thing is forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. comes from Philippians 3.13. Paul will say, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind means let go of those ghost chains of the past that sometimes make you feel like you're still bound your old man your old personality let it go you're not defined by your past anymore forget what is behind don't be limited by those glass walls you thought up the limitations that you think you have Because of what other people told you you were in the past. What other people tell you you are now. You're not any of that. If you're in Christ, you're new. You got to let your old identity go. Leave it behind. It is the living dead. Instead, strain towards what is ahead. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. The Holy Spirit says in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, that's what some of you were. All those sins, all those things that used to define us, all the things that made you fail. But he says, you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Romans 8.30 says, those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. These are the magic words that you have to hold on to. Washed, sanctified, justified, glorified. This is what defines you now. This is what you're meant to be in Christ. And there will be more in the age to come there's nothing that chains you down you have overcome you have to ask yourself do you trust jesus headship in your life is he really your lord and savior lord means that when jesus says something you say yes there is not no saying no to god you got to say no to your heart to your passions not the god so you have to ask yourself do you trust jesus lordship in your life what are you not surrendering to jesus what are you being obstinate about in your life what idols are you still trying to resurrect and worship who are you pursuing or are you distracted like martha doing a million things when only one is needed. Are you trying to store up treasures on earth? Or is your heart in heaven? Are all these all these are crucial questions to determine if you're following in this fourth one thing. Forgetting what is behind and straining on towards what is ahead. Well, the reminder for us is in 1 John 5, 4 and 5 where he says everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. If you like this podcast, please show your support by clicking on the support link on my Anchor FM profile. You will find the link listed in the description of the podcast on your favorite podcast app. With your support, I will continue to produce authentic Christian content as the Lord allows me to do. And so we've come to the fifth and last one thing. The Lord... Is patient and does not want anyone to perish. This comes from 2 Peter 3 8 and 9, where it says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We don't see time like God does. Oftentimes we think God is delaying. Why is he taking so long to answer my prayer? Why do I have to wait so long? God, I want it now. Please help me now. God is not being slow. Peter says, understand this. Understand this one thing. Don't forget this one thing. God is just being faithful. God is not hasty like we are. He is patient. God began a good work in you. Remember that. Philemon 1, six. And he will see it through to completion. He will see it through. You need to trust him. It's going to take time. It's on his timeline, not yours. 1 Corinthians four five says, Learn to see God's work in others. Don't judge before the appointed time. So understand, God's working in you. He's going to see it through to completion, but you got to learn to see that in others and not judge before the appointed time. We're all works in progress. We're under construction. We don't see time like God does. Let God's reward motivate you. I'm talking about his eternal reward, not little rewards little temporary pleasures that you get to see on the day to day let his patience bear fruit in you as you show that kind of a patience as you trust him let his faithfulness bear fruit in you as faith trusting his timing don't try to push your agendas on other people don't try to push your opinions trust god Believe that He is working. Let your faith and His love compel you to care for what God cares most of all, and that is that people repent and are saved. That's what He's concerned about here. He is patient. Why is He patient? Because He does not want you or anyone else to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance but if you're up there judging people and pushing your opinion and pushing your judgments you're on your own timeline you need to quit that you need to get on God's timeline don't go around seeking vengeance don't seek justice be influenced by his mercy and influence others toward Jesus be motivated to persevere because of the love Jesus has for you. Hey, your new reality will soon be here. Thank you very much for listening. I hope the Lord gave you insight into conforming to Jesus with today's message. I always appreciate feedback. You can send me your thoughts, musings, and comments directly through the Anchor app. You can also contact me on Twitter at Kingdom underscore Saint. Walk with the Lord today and be a blessing.